This is The Insecurity Project. If you are looking to solve the insecurity problem in your life, rather than just manage it, mask it or medicate it, you have come to the right place. This is the home of high-quality content and conversations about how to overcome insecurity. If you can do that, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for your friends and family, it's good for the world, so it's kind of important. There's some work to do here, but let's go do this work together. Now on to today's show. Hey friends, 10 Minute Tuesday time again. Uh, This week I'm doing the Frequently Asked Questions, so... Uh, a little while ago, I sent out an email, uh, put it on the socials. Anyone's got a question? What are your top questions about insecurity? And uh, it was a great response. Lots of questions, and I've compiled them to the top 12. I tried to get 10, but I couldn't. So 12 is good. So I've got the top 12 questions asked about insecurity. Some great questions and some fun answers. So looking forward to unpacking this with you. So thanks again for sending them in. Um, Hopefully I've covered yours. If I haven't, um, reach out and I'll try and answer that anyway Uh, or point you to a a podcast interview where I've answered that in another way. Um, So before I do that, no need to remind you, but I will anyway. Make sure you grab your free copy of Unhindered, The Seven Essential Practices for Overcoming Insecurity. Um, now my good mate Bryce interviewed me on the podcast, the Property Couch podcast, Bryce Holdaway, for those playing at home, uh, and gave me one day's notice to do that. Jumped on their 300th episode of the podcast last week um, and just talked about mindset in the pandemic and why some people are doing well and others are really struggling and shared some stuff around um, how to gain an unfair advantage in, in difficult times. Um, anyway, Bryce kind of told me ahead of time, you know, just make sure that you're ready for some extra book orders. I'm like, okay, thanks, Bryce. Um, it turns out I wasn't ready. So <laughs> was inundated with orders over the weekend, sold out all my stock. Um, so look, please keep orders coming in. The, the offer is still available for E-plus postage. I want to get the book in your hands, but you might just have to be a little patient uh, because the shipment will arrive by the end of this week, hopefully, possibly early next week. So you might have to wait an extra week to get your hands on the book. Promise you the wait will be worth it. Um, okay, let's have a look at the frequently asked questions. Top 12. Let me share my screen of you, with you for those who are watching the YouTube version. Uh, for those of you who are not or just listening, well, don't worry about that at all. Just carry on as you were. All right, question one. How can I help my partner slash kids, friends, others with insecurity? Lots of people ask this. Lots of people uh, contact me about a friend or a family member. I've got this friend who's really doing it tough right now. Someone I know is struggling with self-esteem. My kids are really doing it tough. My partner, boy, she needs to talk to you. Um, So how do I help my friends and family? So, uh, you know, you've probably heard me be pretty direct about this before because typically when we look for help in this area, we reach out to people who care about us, but um, caring about someone else's health and well-being is the least useful you can be to them. I'm not saying it's avoidable or should be avoided. It's very natural. The people you care about, you're going to want to help fix them, um, but you're not going to be able to from a position of caring because you're going to position yourself as the expert and them as the child. You're going to tell them what to do. And the internal response when anyone tells you what to do is don't tell me what to do. You're not my mum, unless you are their mum. And even when you are their mum, still don't tell them what to do. 
So the only way, the only way to help anyone else solve insecurity is to show them it's possible. Go be the first, lead by example, model security. Let them watch you. Let them see how you do it. Let them uh, witness firsthand what it's like for you to uncover your own insecurities, to face them head on and to rewrite the story. If you genuinely desire to be useful to others in this space, it all starts and ends with you. It's out of the overflow of your own personal development journey that you get to be useful for others. I mean, I hope I've modeled that to you too. I hope that you get that from me, that um, I wouldn't dare share something with you that I hadn't first worked out of my own life. And not that I'm doing it perfectly, but there's no way that I'm hiding or avoiding anything. I'm not sitting behind a microphone telling someone else what to do. Um, I'm, I'm showing you by example. That's the answer to number one. Number two, why are some people more insecure than others? Oh, well, that's an easy one. Um, their mums love them less than, than, than other people. That's why it's all their mum's fault. Um, no, it's not their mum's fault. So, so there's a few things I thought about why some people are more insecure than others. Um, so I think culturally we celebrate a few certain things. So if you, if you are a pretty person, um, I think culturally you are rewarded. If, if you didn't get gifted with some beautiful genes, Perhaps it's easier to be insecure about your looks than if you are pretty. Um, so there's a bunch of unfair things about life. Uh, and, and when you kind of come to terms with the fact that life is not fair, it's, it's a good day. Honestly, it is. Life, life really is not fair. There are some that get given much and some that get given little. Uh, and that's just how it is. So I think there are, there are some people that when God was handing out gifts, kind of got back in the line a few times and kind of really cashed in and seemed to be good at everything and perhaps just naturally confident because they've, they've got a lot to be confident about. So I, I think that's, that's probably important to mention. Um, however, they're, they're, I'm always fascinated by people who you think, oh, why would you be insecure? Yet you scratch the surface and they're super insecure. So it turns out they're just being good at everything and naturally gifted or pretty or, uh, you know, athletic or whatever it is, uh, doesn't prevent you from insecurity. It is a global universal challenge that every adult goes through. Um, so we all are insecure on some level. Another key thing about why some are more insecure than others is the season of life they're going through. So sometimes you find yourself uh, with everything working. Your, your marriage is going well, you're enjoying work, kids are happy, money in the bank. So life is creating a kind of safe zone for you. So there's not a lot of fear and anxiety, whereas sometimes there's chaos and nothing's working. So that heightens insecurity. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, when you're young, you, you're not focused on insecurity because you're just doing your thing. And when you're in midlife, it kind of comes to the surface. So I think, again, it's always there, but you might have heightened experience of insecurity at different seasons of your life, depending on what's going on around you, what age you are. Um, ultimately, we're all insecure on some level. Universal challenge. Um, and then I suppose the only uh, other answer why some people are more insecure than others, there are some people who've genuinely solved this problem, honestly, genu genuinely solved it. And they are, they are secure. They show up unhindered. Uh, so if you haven't solved this, you will be more insecure than someone who has. Three, question three, where does insecurity slash anxiety, because they're similar, come from? Where do they come from and what causes insecurity? So uh, we're sense-making creatures. We go into the world and we tell stories and we answer two questions. So this is what creates insecurity. These two questions are our sense-making questions. Question one, 
uh, and we're asking and answering these questions for every experience we have. Question one, why did this happen to me? Now, it doesn't matter whether you're aware of answering this question or not. You are consciously, unconsciously always asking and answering this sense-making question. Why is this happening? Question two, and what does it mean about me? So the answers of those questions are where insecurity slash anxiety, because anxiety always, always needs an insecurity backstory to survive. To, to unpack that, if you felt totally adequate and secure about something in front of you, it makes no sense to be anxious, i.e., were you anxious tying your shoes this morning, putting your belt on, brushing your hair? Well, no, because you know you can do it. There's no question whether you can do it. So it makes no sense to be anxious. You're only anxious about the things you feel inadequate about. So inadequacy underpins anxiety. So it's the same thing. So what causes it? It's our own opinion of ourselves, often as a child. And, and I love that definition. Our insecurity is caused by our own opinion of ourselves changes the game it's not created by what was said and done to us or not said and not done it's it's the meaning we place on those things so it just is so exciting because it just means this problem is entirely in your control you made this mess and you're the only one who can clean it up happy days question four how can i stop caring about what others think of me uh swap it don't stop it if you're in if your focus is on not doing something Siri, sorry, Siri just decided to answer that question for me. Thanks, Siri. I appreciate your uh, kindness, but we're going to, I've got this one. Thank you. You can have the next one. Um, how can I stop caring about what others think of me? Swap it, don't stop it. So uh, if your focus is on not doing something you don't want to do, I must not do that. I should stop that. I need to cut that out. That's a behavior management strategy. That's using self-discipline. That has an, a limited usefulness. Uh, you know, the, the point is you need validation. You do need connection. You do need significance. They are core needs. Anthony Robbins' finest contribution, six core needs, needs uh, three and four, significance and love. So you cannot survive without them. So the, the point is um, if you have never developed an internal strategy, if you have never worked out how to be the adult and care about yourself and validate your own existence then by default you will have to outsource that to others so you can't afford to stop caring about what others think about you until you replace that need being met internally question five why do i always feel like i'm not good enough it kind of is similar to the answer number four because you're still running the child strategy in an adult body like you're still depending upon the world to validate you to pump your tires up, to love you, to support you, to encourage you. And they probably weren't that good at doing it when you're a kid. And I promise you they're even less good at doing it now you're an adult because they kind of don't want to do it all the time now. They'll prepare to do it when you're a kid because you're a kid, right? But they don't want to be constantly validating and encouraging and they don't want you to be needy. That's unattractive. So they're less likely to validate you now when you need it the most. Again, you feel like you're not good enough because you're waiting for someone else to give it to you, to get that answer to. And even when they do, you don't believe them. So that's why you're constantly in deficit. When you're waiting for the world to fill your cup, your cup is always empty. And when it's slightly full, it leaks very quickly. It's your job to fill your own cup, your job. Question six, how do I get rid of it, overcome it, fix it? Isn't it just mind over matter? Can't I just willpower my way to just believing I am enough? Well, Instagram would have you believe that. 
I love, I don't really love, but I chuckle at the, the quick fix memes. You know, never forget you are enough. Girlfriend, just believe you are enough. Well, okay, thanks. If it was that easy, then, <laughs> well, look, we'd all feel great about ourselves. Um, the only way you overcome and get rid of and solve the insecurity problem is by fully deconstructing the problem. And the problem is your own opinion of yourself. There is work to do. It's hard work, but it's beautiful work. If you, if you just have a behavior management strategy, that's like putting band-aids on. If there's a festering wound, you put a band-aid, it's not going to solve it. Might, might, might stop you looking at it today, but as soon as you take the band-aid off, it's just there. So the only way to solve it is to deconstruct it all the way back to the start. The very first time you decided your opinion of yourself was that you're no good. You've got to go back there and check the data. Um, I think I wrote something interesting about that. No, turns out I didn't. That was another answer. Uh, why is insecurity so hard to deal with? Question seven. Um, well, it's an interesting question. I get asked it all the time, but it's an interesting one because what, why does hard have to be bad? What if, what if hard is good? What if hard is meaningful? What if hard is rewarding? What if hard is valuable? But if all, you know, the things we cherish the most in life are actually the hard things. If, if it was easy, it's kind of, well, anyone can do it. I think we look back at, our, at, at the meaningful suffering as the times we cherish most. So, look, I don't really know why it's so hard, to be honest, because it's all a work of fiction. Of course, we're all enough. I think the reason it gets so hard is because our our tendency toward confirmation bias. So we believe something's true and then our brain just looks for more and more evidence to bolster that view. So we kind of solidify our own truth until it becomes a concrete prison. That's probably why it gets so hard to break out of it, just because it's so evidence-backed. It doesn't need to be hard. Uh, it, it is. And, and it kind of it, you know becomes very rewarding then when you face it. So... And, and I love it when people say, oh, man, this is so hard because it's like, well, tell me that living with insecurity is not hard. Yeah, cool. So both roads are hard. Dealing with this is hard and not dealing with this is hard. Excellent. Everything's hard. Life is suffering. So you may as well choose the hard road that's going to get you more of what you want rather than the hard road that's going to leave you stuck and crying. Question eight, how to detect insecurity at an early age and avoid it? Um, well, very easy to detect, <laughs> like just, just have a look at your kids. Um, there'll be all kinds of really interesting insecurities. Um, very, very easy to see. Yeah. No problem there. And avoid it. And they can't avoid it. Um, I, I love it when I hear someone unpack their childhood and their stories, they've got perfect parents. Um, obviously perfect parents don't exist, but there are some beautiful parents, some loving parents, some wonderful parents, some supportive parents. And even perfect parents don't uh, prevent their children from, from picking up limiting beliefs. That's the wonderful thing about this. We are our storytellers. No one's writing the script for us. So we, we can't protect our kids from insecurity. That's impossible. They will tell strange stories about even the loving things we do as to why we did it. They'll doubt our motives. They'll question their own value. That's just what happens as we grow up. We'll tell strange stories. Um, 
So I, can't, I think the only way to, to really serve your kids, again, is to model what security looks like, model what change looks like, model what choice and responsibility looks like. Um, and we've got a rule in our family that more conversations are better than less conversations, which kind of does away with the need for perfect conversations. So we talk about this stuff. Um, we don't always get it right and it doesn't always fix it in the moment, but it's a conversation just to go, do you know that you get to decide what stuff means? So yeah, someone just picked on you. Someone was unkind. You were bullied. Well, it, there's I wonder how you could look at this. Is there only one way of understanding what happened? Um, what do you want to make that mean? Uh, so just, just, just showing kids they've got choice when they can't see choice. I think that's probably the most useful we can be uh, uh, and out of the overflow of our own choice. Um, how would questioning, exploring, examining insecurity help? Well, um, it, it would only help if you're trying to change it. If you don't want to change it, like if you don't want to stop insecurity, please don't question it. Why that wouldn't make any sense. You only question beliefs you want to change. If it's working for you, if insecurity is serving you, hang on to it dearly. Um, yeah. But uh, all insecurity, like fear unexamined grows. So if you don't explore it, insecurity can only um, become larger and, and the problem can be exacerbated. Uh, so fear examined is diminished because fear is so illogical. So the things we fear are not, act, we don't actually fear the thing. We just fear the thought of the thing. So the more you look at it, the stranger it is and the smaller it becomes and you kind of see that it's fiction. So yeah, so it wouldn't, wouldn't help uh, unless you'd like to remove it. And then looking at it, it helps just looking at it, just turning the lights on changes everything. That's why practice one in the seven is so, so important. Uh, are there any positive aspects of insecurity? Yeah. Yeah. Lots. And uh, you'll see in the book, the graph that depicts the relationship between insecurity and performance as we age. So typically in our twenties, insecurity is actually really useful in terms of performance and motivation and drive. You, you tell an insecure 20-year-old you can't or you won't or you shouldn't, that's rocket fuel to them. That's beautiful. You've just given them a gift. Get out of my way and watch me. I'll show you. You tell me I can't one more time, that'll be great, and I'll just be so driven to prove that I can. So people do all kinds of incredible stuff, epic stuff, unbelievable stuff, impossible stuff, simply because someone said they couldn't or they shouldn't or they wouldn't. Great. Um, so eventually that's exhausting. And, and the funny thing is when you get to the top of the hill and you, and you I pr see, I proved you right. I'm sorry, I proved you wrong. I, I did do it. Often the person's kind of even forgot they told you you couldn't and didn't really care anyway, which is something that they said. So it kind of is a very shallow victory and then it's exhausting. And if you're still trying to prove that you matter by what you can achieve, you know, as a 40-year-old, it's not pretty. You're not fun to be around. So I think the positive aspects of insecurity are only really in our twenties. Um, yeah, but there, there are some real positives, definitely Hi highly motivational to prove you are valuable by what you can achieve. Uh, how do I control my thoughts? Question 11. How do I control my thoughts long-term without slipping back into old fears? I've been insecure for so long. How do I genuinely trust life without it? Love this question get asked all the time because people are afraid, you know, how do I make change stick? They've had so many experiences where change hasn't lasted. They've tried something, they've got hopeful and then they're back to where they were. Why is this going to be any different? Uh, so th there's two things I think about this. Um, the first is the less to more idea around change. 
uh, if you haven't heard that podcast episode, search that. It's one of the early ones. I think it's in the in the first 20. I'm going to put out a summary of all the 10-minute Tuesday episodes too so that you can kind of see the topics and, and go there for easy access. So I think that'll be useful. But, yeah, so um, if ever change feels like a more to less, i.e. you've got to give up something, you, you should really stop that. It's time to grow up. I need to be responsible and it's hard, but I probably should. Well, that's never sustainable because you feel like you're losing and we're motivated to do, we're motivated to win, we're motivated to get a better deal, not a worse deal. So that is never sustainable. So, um, however, when change feels like a genuinely better deal, well, then there's no fear of slipping back because it's like, well, great. I, if it's genuinely better, why would I swap it for something that's genuinely worse? That doesn't make any sense. So you don't have to sustain it. You don't have to trick yourself. You don't have to force yourself. You don't have to discipline yourself to take a genuinely better deal. You just take the better deal. So when responsibility genuinely feels like a better deal than blame, huh, easy, you never slip back again. When being the storyteller feels like a genuinely better, better deal than being the victim, being the actor, well, you'll never turn back again. When you, know, when you being the hero uh, feels like a genuinely better deal rather than waiting for someone else to save you, you will never look back again. So that's how change sticks. And, and I love the idea that like the insecurity problem is, is your own opinion of yourself. You formed an opinion based on how you answered the question, why did this happen and what does it mean about me? So the interesting thing about that process, when you go back and review the data, new data makes old data obsolete. Not because it should or you've got to trick yourself. It just does. If you, I'm sure you've changed opinions because you've been exposed to new data, updated data that makes the old data nonsensical, just doesn't, doesn't work anymore. I give the example in my book about, you know, when I was young, I used to think the beer sign said toothies draught. You know, for probably five or six years, every time I drove past this sign in the car, toothies draught. Until some, one time I said it out loud and dad's like, that's toothies draught. I'm like, don't think so. Yeah, it is. Have a look at it. Toothy's draft. Oh dear. Then I was ruined. I couldn't ever say Toothy's draw it again because I I knew that that was not accurate, and I knew what the truth was, and so the truth just over overrode it. So it's kind of what happens when you review the data about your opinions. You formed an opinion as a four-year-old. You've never reviewed it. You think it's true, but what if it's not? You go back with some new data as an adult. You see some stuff you've never noticed before. You go, oh look at that. It wasn't even true. I just made that up huh, you don't have to worry about keeping that. It's like, okay, well then, cool. I just discovered it's not true. So, okay, <laughs> excellent. Like this is why this process is so predictable and so exciting. If you want to solve the insecurity problem, you actually can like genuinely solve it for good because you control all the moving parts. So it's all you. Uh, final question, how do I learn to love myself more? Another really common question. Well, you can't learn to love yourself more. That's impossible. You already have maximum love for yourself. Like that's the discovery. All self-protection, like all self-judgment is self-protection because it's just a preemptive strike trying to get in first. We judge ourselves to protect ourselves from the judgment of others. All playing it small, all hiding, all avoiding failure and disappointment and rejection by playing it safe. It's all protection. And we only protect that which we love. The more we value something, the more motivated we are to protect it. So... Like if you didn't love yourself, why, why would you be putting so much energy into playing it safe? That doesn't make sense. 
you deeply love yourself with every cell in your body already. So the question is not how do you learn to love yourself more? How do you redirect that love to allow you to move forward rather than to holding you back? So that is the transition from being a child to being an adult. That's a, that's a real review of all your internal strategies and your operating system. That's a, an awareness around your current strategy and the ability to update that strategy. So, but love's already inside you. It always has been and always will be. So that's the 12 most commonly asked questions. I hope that was useful. Uh, love to hear your feedback about that. I hope that's answered some burning questions that you've had. And uh, yeah, look, make sure you go grab a free copy of the book while it still lasts and be patient for a week until it gets there. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. The aim of the game is to show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity so that you can be at your best where it matters most. Now, if you're ready to begin the work of becoming unhindered in your life, The Unhindered Short Course is an eight-part video series designed to help you do exactly that. And at only $99 for a limited time, it's an offer too good to refuse. For more information, go to theinsecurityproject.com.